Black and Abdallah this evening. You can watch us on Twitch today and every day. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. You can also listen to us, of course, on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, or the ESPN Chicago app. I am Jeff Meller, along with Tyler Aki. And you know this already, but NFL Championship Sunday is set after... The divisional round has concluded, and we have ourselves some fabulous matchups, at least in my opinion. Tyler, you can uh, disagree if you'd like, but we've got ourselves the 49ers headed to Philly to kick things off in the NFC. And then, of course, the nightcap will be a spectacular affair, a rematch of last season's AFC Championship game. The Bengals will visit the Chiefs, and they will go in right now as a home, uh, road favorite. I think that you look at the matchup, I think you've got the teams that are playing the four best collections of football right now. When you look at, you've got a 49ers team who has been so dominant defensively all season long and has made magic out of the quarterback position. You've got the Eagles. They've been this high-flying team. You know, it's funny. I look at the one seeds this year, and we think about last year where both the one seeds go out in the fir- in their first game. Can and I this- stop you real quick? Yeah, because we knew that the one seed for sh- for sure in the NFC was an or in the AFC in the Titans was an absolute fraud. Right? They should. I mean, mm-hmm. they got there, but it was a down year in terms of wins for a one seed. Right. So everybody kind of knew that the Titans. Maybe they didn't expect the Bengals to beat them. You know, in the divisional round. But I think mm-hmm. most people expected the Titans to be right. bounced. Right. No, I'm with you there. I think that the the part with the the one seeds this year is we had that maybe in the back of our minds heading into the playoffs and some people are like oh maybe it could be a, a shaky exit for the eagles they didn't look great down the stretch even though jalen hurts was injured for a little bit and then the chiefs it's like all right we've seen the Chiefs story before and there's these up-and-coming quarterbacks as well in the playoffs with burrow with allen uh with lawrence with herbert all those guys were there so everyone was sort of looking to dethrone the chiefs but i feel like we sort of forgot how good or people forgot how good those two teams truly were just because they weren't a part of that first super wild card weekend and then it was like okay that's right that's the the eagles that we know and saw all season long that's the chiefs that we saw all season long even if Mahomes is a little bit dinged up. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in football. So I think what you point out, certainly the Eagles, there were a lot of questions heading into Sunday, uh, Saturday night's game because nobody knew quite what Jalen Hurts was going to be capable of. He was dealing with the shoulder injury that he suffered at Soldier Field in that brutally cold game. And so even though he had played in Week 18, he wasn't the same player that he had been all season, the guy who routinely was in the conversation for the league MVP but they got out there and they were able to manhandle the Giants. And to your point, they reminded everybody of why they were the number one seed. I don't know if anybody truly forgot that the Chiefs are dominant when they're playing well. But maybe there's still some question because they don't have the star power that is Tyreek Hill. It may have been Kelsey and Mahomes. It may have been after seeing what the Bengals did last year. Mm-hmm, that you some had. people thought, ooh, could Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars, this team be like the scrappy team that makes a little bit of a run. So I was... Never too concerned about the Jags from the Chiefs' perspective. But what I'll say is I'm disappointed that Patrick Mahomes suffered the high ankle sprain that he did in that game because you watch that first drive, and the truth is Jacksonville probably could not have done anything better than what they actually did on that drive. They forced Mahomes to make absurd plays. He was jumping off of his left foot, completing passes. Mm -hmm. He was being dragged to the ground by Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker Devin Lloyd and just basically, you know, before hitting the ground, throwing the the ball up in the air in only a manner that Patrick Mahomes can, completing passes. On that first drive, 
we saw Patrick Mahomes be, I would venture to say, as good as he's been that I can actually remember. Yeah. Like He just methodically went down the field, and even though Jacksonville was getting pressure on them, there was nothing they could do because of the mobility he has, the arm talent he has, and what he's capable of. And it quickly changed when he was injured in that game. So I don't, like, you know, for me, it wasn't really so much, oh, I wasn't expecting the Chiefs to go out there. It was more like, this is exactly who I thought they were, and they're putting everything on display for everybody who's watching. But quickly, it changed when Mahomes was injured and he had the ankle injury. Now, with these matchups, my question to you and to everybody out there listening, 312-332-3776, if you want to jump in, what is the NFL rooting for for their Super Bowl matchup? What do they hope ends up being the two teams squaring off in Arizona when they go to the Super Bowl a couple weeks after Sunday? Because for me, you've got a lot of very interesting players, particularly quarterback, which is obviously this is a quarterback-driven league. You've got a lot of interesting players who you can see why, you can make the argument why you, the NFL might be rooting for each one of them to advance. You've got, of course, Patrick Mahomes. He's dealing with the ankle injury. And so we don't know what he's going to bring to the table on Sunday. We certainly know he will be out there. He has said that, which makes sense. Nobody would expect him if he's at all capable of being out there. We know he's going to be on the field in an AFC championship game. But will he be compromised similarly to the way he was last Saturday, right? Right. Like, I'll be honest. I don't think a Patrick Mahomes who was playing at the end of that game is going to be good enough to beat the Bengals in their current iteration, what we saw from them against the Bills. I think Patrick Mahomes needs to be much closer to the Patrick Mahomes we're used to seeing if they're actually going to beat the Bengals and you know get off the schneid against Joe Burrow's Bengals, who they're 0-3 against right now. Yeah, though here's the one thing I would say, and I saw this tweet from from Mike Lombardi earlier. Uh, let me. I want to pull up the stats here. Okay, so the last time Mahomes played on an ankle sprain, mm-hmm. it was coincidentally the Jaguars were the ones that that gave him the ankle sprain. But he came back the next week and threw for 443 yards and four touchdowns. So we've seen some Mahomes magic with an injury before. I, I just look at what uh, what he's still able to do. With that, and he's had a full week to kind of understand what his limitations are. You, he didn't go into that game saying, "All right, how am I going to navigate through this? How am I going to know what's comfortable with this ankle sprain here?" Um, but this time, now he's gonna—he's got a little bit of a game plan for how he's going to go about it. Probably going to get shot up with some stuff too before the game, I'd imagine. So it'll—I think what we saw on on Saturday with Mahomes, you're going to see him be even better than that just because he's going to have that mindset of knowing what his limitations exactly are. Yeah, this is something where I look at it and I look at the spread, and I have a hard time betting this one. I think the best play, if you want to play the Chiefs, is to live bet them and actually see Patrick Mahomes get out onto the field and see him move around a little bit. Because if he looks compromised to the point where you don't know if he can move the way you expect him to, I have a hard time believing the Chiefs are going to be able to do enough to beat the Bengals. And so I think this is where live betting really comes. Yeah. It's it's an advantage for you, the better out there, to use it. You can, sure, listen, I'm no, no one can stop you from betting the Chiefs if you think they're, but I think mm-hmm. the more, having a little more information and watching Mahomes play a series or at least get out there for a play or two, I think that is where it might be able to uh, slide into your direction just a little bit because you'll have a little more information about watching him. 
before, you know, especially if the Chiefs get the ball first and you see him go out on the field and one or two plays look okay, then I feel much more comfortable about taking the points with the Chiefs. I would actually almost rather see the Bengals get the ball first because the hope is the Bengals go down and score, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to watch a Mahomes drive, see how he looks health-wise, mm-hmm. and then it pretty much sets the game back at even in terms of then you're yes. basically picking from the original game spread. Maybe it's off a half point or a point or so, but at least you in your mind, like at that point with a one and a half point spread, one point spread, whatever it ends up falling on, you're picking a winner at that point. Yeah. Now, Patrick Mahomes in his fifth year as a starter has led the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game for the fifth straight season. Whether or not they will make their third Super Bowl appearance with him at the helm, that's what we'll find out on Sunday. I think we all know, right? Like, would you agree that Patrick Mahomes is undeniably the best quarterback in football? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, on the other side of the ball, you've got Joe Burrow, who I think if he can pull off this road win against the Chiefs, even with Mahomes, you know, not being 100%, I think all of a sudden it's a real conversation about whether or not Joe, Mur- Joe Burrow, t- you know, uh, takes the mantle. In this situation. Yeah. Like a, a compromise. If you throw a compromise Patrick Mahomes into the situation, then yes, I, I'm with it. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL if Patrick Mahomes isn't 100%. But when you do have, I'm trying to think of like what percentage point I would have to pin Patrick Mahomes at to give him the edge over Burrow. I think I'm still taking like an 85, 90% Mahomes over an 100% Burrow. Hmm. Because I think if you go to 90%, then you're talking about him having, for the most part, his mobility in hand, right? And there's Mm -hmm. not, that's really what sets him apart. It's not just his presence in the pocket, which Joe Burrow, I think, can match for the most part, being able to dissect. But Mahomes certainly has the stronger arm. You see that he's more willing to throw, you know, throw down the seam, down the field, something Mm -hmm. that Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily like to do all the time. He likes to actually use uh, outside the numbers. But listen, Joe Burrow has. Play, he's playing the quarterback position, as Dan Orlovsky pointed out earlier today, um, better than anybody in football right now. He knows what his own limitations are, at least he seems to, and he's able to get the most out of his skilled players, you know, his skill position players. Yeah. So he takes advantage of that. So in the AFC, I can see the argument where the NFL wants both sides. They want Patrick Mahomes, who is the, unquestionably the star of the league, and especially with a couple of old, older quarterbacks aging out of that spot right now. I could see why they want their marquee man in the Super Bowl. But let's be honest, Joe Cool, you, they're sending out videos of him throwing right. passes and doing a pirouette mm-hmm. and just walking away uh, right before game time. Joe Burrow is also somebody who you could see them wanting to have in the Super Bowl as well. Who do they want more, though? That's that's for me the question. I actually think they would want the Bengals more because you've got Joe Burrow. He's this elevating profile right now, but he still doesn't have a Super Bowl. And I think they would love to have this. Like with Brady and Manning, mm-hmm. it was always one-sided. Yep, It was Brady. Always got the better of Manning pretty much every single year. And that's why the Super Bowls are so lopsided when you compare their legacies. I think the NFL would love to have this uh, back-and-forth sort of tennis match between Mahomes and Burrow moving forward. Absolutely. If you could set up multiple AFC championship title games year after year between yeah. those two, must-see TV, like you said. It could be you know, the Brady-Manning in the AFC part two, if you will. That's the conversation we're having right now. 312-332-3776. Who do you think the NFL would like to see representing the AFC? And also, 
There's a game going on in the NFC. We'll dissect that next. Black and Abdallah are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Jeff Meller, Tyler Aki in for Black and Abdallah, who were in for Greeny earlier today, hanging out with you here on ESPN 1000. What is the NFL's dream Super Bowl matchup based on the four participating teams in Championship Sunday? We've been talking mainly about the AFC in the first segment here. Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. What does the NFL hope happens this upcoming Sunday so that they can markets some of their next great superstars to the fans out there tyler you said that you believe joe burrow and the Bengals would be their preferred team just, just slightly yeah and, and i you know yeah. thinking about it too i i i'm i think you're right about that you know building up the myth surrounding their next great quarterback with joe burrow certainly would be enhanced with a second straight Super Bowl appearance and maybe just maybe adding a Super Bowl ring to his resume would certainly help the conversation Mahomes versus Burrow going forward. At the same time, Patrick Mahomes, if he could add a third Super Bowl appearance, all of us and and do so in a game where he's playing, you got where he like at an elite level, but still not not uh, being a hundred percent. That also adds you know to his legend as well. So right. I think they're, for the most part, in a good situation, no matter who's coming out of the AFC. To the other side, though, the NFC, which is the earlier game, 2 o'clock kickoff, you've got Jalen Hurts, who played really well on Saturday night, although I'm not sure I'm not sure we... I, I wasn't completely convinced that he is still at the level that he was playing at earlier in the season. I don't know if he's completely healed up with the shoulder injury. Um, it probably just, won't. Yeah, by, even with an extra week off with the Super Bowl, really wasn't yeah. tested with the Giants, right? No, I agree. So yeah. you know, we'll see this Sunday. I think against the Forty ers that defense, that's one that will unquestionably test him. He's going to have to play at a high level if they're going to beat the Forty ers But of course, now you don't have a superstar, but you've got a story. That absolutely transcends sports with Brock Purdy right now, Mister mm-hmm. Irrelevant, going up against Jalen Hurts. Do you? Th- what do you think the preference for the NFL would be in this situation? I actually think it would be the Niners because of the legacy of the San Francisco 49ers and all the great quarterbacks that have gone through there. And then if Brock Purdy can somehow become this next Kurt Warner type story, mm-hmm. I think that would be something that the NFL would salivate over. Whereas the Eagles, like. It's just a well-constructed team. Yeah. They're just a good football... Uh, I shouldn't say good. They're a great football team. And there's nothing really beyond that to me storyline-wise. I mean, sure, Jalen Hurts, second-round second quarterback, drafted a couple years ago. It's a great story of roster construction. But I think the story with Purdy and then also a legacy franchise going to the Super Bowl, I think it would be exactly what the NFL would want. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Brock Purdy and the 49ers advance all of a sudden, you know, that that is of course the Super Bowl's always talked about, but think mm-hmm. about just, you know, driving around listening to, you know, your 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 random FM radio station and hearing them discuss Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, right? All of a sudden, yeah. we know Brock Purdy. We've been exposed to him now for, you know, almost eight, nine weeks now as football fans. But the reality is your casual fan who's just kind of starting to get into it during the playoffs, 
all of a sudden they're like, hey, who's this 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 Brock guy who uh, yeah. they're holding signs up with chickens? Big uh, mm-hmm. big chicken Brock. What's going on out there? Who is he? All of a sudden he's the quarterback who's leading this 49ers team. Now, the one thing I'll say is watching Brock Purdy do what he does, would a Super Bowl appearance, just the appearance, but then an eventual loss in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, does that you think, forced the 49ers' hand into committing to him as their starter next season when Trey Lance presumably will be healthy? I think so because you think about the what the Niners had to give up to get Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Even though you're selling for probably, what, 40, 50 cents on the dollar here to get something back, trading Trey Lance to recoup some of those assets to build around I think is something that's you're not necessarily writing a wrong with a trade. You've just found an alternative. That's interesting. What is the draft pick that the 49ers would find palatable enough mm-hmm. to actually move off of Trey Lance? Now, we know famously the 49ers, I believe they gave up three total first-round yes. picks to move up to that three spot. So they were obviously getting one in return. So they gave up two additional first-round picks in order to move up and draft Trey Lance. What would be palatable for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to go ahead and trade and move off of Trey Lance? What, what would be what would be palatable for you yeah. if you're running an organization? I mean, I have to believe you want more than a second rounder, right? You want at least a first. And with the way that the quarterback market sort of is right now, yeah, there's a lot I, available. Like, where's Trey? It may not be something that ends up being done this year, but maybe next year. And because what? Jimmy Garoppolo was flipped for what a second, second rounder. rounder? Mm-hmm. So you could, I feel like you could probably get a second round pick. But if you're the 49ers, you're the 49ers is that good is that enough? enough? And are you convinced, especially if you lose the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And you do so somewhat because Brock Purdy just isn't good enough to go toe to toe with either Mahomes or Burrow in that situation. Would you be convinced or? You know, Kyle Shanahan was convinced yeah. when they draft Trey Lance. There was a reason despite already having Jimmy Garoppolo, that they thought Trey Lance would be somebody who could unlock their offense, right? It's really interesting to, to think about what could be the 49ers offseason and how they're going to play it out with Trey Lance because to your point about you know selling 40 cents on the dollar, who, who's going to be looking to move for Trey Lance and give anything, you know, like I think about it, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins are in a tricky spot with Tua right now, mm-hmm. and he knows... Trey Lance after having worked with him during his rookie season. Right. So maybe there's a match, but I doubt they want to give up a first rounder. Here's here's I don't know the exact team that this is, but here's the profile of the team. Mm-hmm. It's a team that wants to kind of restart. They don't want to to go out and, and sign someone. They want to maybe it's going to be the team that misses out on drafting a quarterback that wants to go young mm-hmm. and they're willing to trade. You won't have to trade nearly as much to move up or get something but you'll go out there and make a trade to try and get a Trey Lance. That's, I think, the profile of the team. Who that exactly is, I'd have to dig into it a little bit more, but I'd imagine that's the team. Or, or the question, too, is like if they get to the Super Bowl, is one disastrous performance by Brock Purdy, does it all of a sudden undo all of the good stuff that he was able to accomplish? Because what I'll say is, what I've seen from Brock Purdy He's somebody who's not afraid to go downfield, but he's also somebody who I think has been fortunate enough at times where some of his mistakes haven't been capitalized on by his opponent. And we could be seeing a situation on Sunday when they go up against the Eagles who have a very strong defense. Probably, I'd say, they might have the second or third best defense in the league after the 49ers, you know. Uh So he's finally going to be up against, I think, a formidable opponent here. 
Right. I, I think there, there's a lot of quarterbacks, though, I feel like you could say that about. Like, that was one of my big things with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the season, he was just going up against teams that weren't taking advantage of a lot of his mistakes, a lot of his turnovers. I mean, he was turning the ball over left and right, especially yes. down the home stretch, within the confines of the red zone as well. And there were just teams that weren't taking advantage. I think you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks, too. Um, but the other wrinkle, too, with mm-hmm. the 49ers is you're likely losing D'Amico Ryans, it feels like. And Certainly. he has been an architect for that defense, especially when you've got a head coach who is so hyper-focused on the offensive side. You've got a guy on the other side that you just... I'm guessing it's a pretty hands-off process with D'Amico Ryans. And if you lose him, how are you going to replenish that? That will certainly be a problem they will have to address in the offseason. But they are loaded with talented players on defense, which always makes the situation for the defensive coordinator that much easier, right? Mm -hmm. When you know you've got talent you're working with, when you look at Nick Bosa, when you look at uh, Kinlaw, when you look at Armstead on the defensive line, Mm -hmm. when you look at having Fred Warner Mm -hmm. and Dre Greenlaw, you have an absurd front seven to work with, and then Jimmy Ward in the secondary. And And you're not really paying a quarterback either. Yeah, so, so, I mean, there's an opportunity there for whoever is the next D.C. in San Francisco once D'Amico Ryan's gets that head coaching job we all expect him to get there's an opportunity there to make a name for yourself because of all the talent you'd be looking with let's check in with nick who's in skokie nick you're on esp 1000 Meller and Aki in for black and abdallah uh gentlemen i just want to say first and foremost i love black and abdallah but you guys are doing an amazing job i love listening to you especially tyler um thank you for honestly talking about this because i have a couple of different questions first and foremost as i told the uh, person that took the call. I'm not a Bears fan, so I kind of have an outside-of-the-box look at this. Um, I do think that with all of the quarterbacks that are going to be available, both in free agency and in the draft, you know, the handful, I guess, we'll say less than a handful, um, I think that they are 100% sitting pretty. If if I were a Bears fan, I would hope that they would use the draft to kind of build the offense and use all that money in the bank to go build the defense unless there's something that they can't miss in the draft for them in terms of like defensive line or edge rusher. But they're just, I would, I would love my team to be sitting where the bears are right now. With that being said, I'm actually a Raiders fan and I would love more than anything to have a Trey Lance after everything that happened with Derek Carr. Unfortunately, I feel this is where I want to get your opinion. Um, do wait is Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers coming, which is kind of our MO because of the coaching staff that we now have, or would Trey Lance be something that we could do for the next 10 years based on the position that we're in? And I ask solely as a football fan because, I mean, I have no one else to talk to about this stuff. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Nick, don't apologize. No worries. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk to you. We're here for you to bounce your ideas off of us here at ESPN 1000. Great questions. Tom Brady weighed in on his future. We'll, do, we'll address Nick's question next on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. Coincidentally enough, you hear that song, and uh, surprisingly, uh, not surprisingly, coincidentally, uh, Black and Abdallah, we're in for Greeny today. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Tyler Aki, as we fill in for the guys tonight. We were just discussing what the 49ers might find 
interesting enough to actually deal away Trey Lance if some other team wanted to trade for him? Would they consider trading away their second-year quarterback who's still on a rookie contract? Would they consider trading him away based on how well Brock Purdy has played? And will Brock Purdy need to do more, or has he already done enough to basically solidify in Kyle Shanahan's mind that he is the quarterback for them going forward. Interesting things playing out there. Of course, uh, Nick and Skokie just asked us. He's fearful. He wouldn't mind seeing his Raiders go out and trade for Trey Lance, but he's fearful that it is all lining up for Tom Brady to be the next quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. Tom Brady was doing his podcast yesterday, and sure enough, Jim Gray teed him up with a question that hopefully will provide Nick in Skokie with an answer. You still a nail biter? Oh, no, no, that's the wrong Jim Gray, sorry. He actually asked him this. Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already fucking done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> You're scratching. It's only the question that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you. What's your response to Tom Brady's... uh... I believe him. Like, I think he's not someone who's just going to hold out, and he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to take the the rest of the league by, by hostage situation here. I think... His mind's probably pretty set on coming back. It feels like he's sort of doing his homework and scope. I mean, there's a report from Jeremy Fowler today about how he's looking around and trying to like compile the list of teams that he think he'd be interested. I think it's pretty clear he wants to come back. Yeah, I mean, at this yeah. point, he's going to be 46 next season in August. Um, he's at a point where, listen, he went through a very public divorce this past off season or this past season, right? So he's already at the point where. He, you know, his he's lost his marriage, and mm-hmm. so that for a long time seemed to be the big pressing factor as to why he might hang him up. Yeah. So with that no longer, you know, hanging in the balance, it certainly could seem like if he finds the right destination, which he seems to be in search of, he will definitely move on and play again. Whether or not, you know, the Raiders seems like a good landing spot because of his history with Josh McDaniels. I know there's been discussions, of course, we mentioned the Dolphins maybe being a team pursuing Trey Lance because of Tua's concussion status, putting him up in the air. You know, he flirted with the Dolphins. There's a reason that's, you know, the Dolphins no longer have their first round pick in this draft. Um, part of the reason people believe was because of, you know, Stephen Ross's flirtation with Tom Brady in the offseason. So I do think there's a couple of landing spots for Tom Brady. I'm with you. I do think he'll probably be back next year. I don't know. And, Unfortunately for our Raiders fan, Nick and Skokie, I don't think that is, you know, the best path forward for the Raiders. But if you're a quarterback star franchise, I don't know how you could realistically say no if yeah. the GOAT wants to play for you. I look at it as I think he'll be better next year than he was. And he still put up some solid numbers this year. He put up great numbers the year before that, too. I don't think he's done. I think he's still got maybe one or two because... You look at, I mean, what was the the narrative right before he left New England, right? Like, that last game that he played in New England yep. against the Titans in the playoffs mm-hmm. looked eerily similar in terms of some of the throws that he was making to the Tom Brady that we saw in that last game against the Cowboys. I just, 
I think he's still got the one last gasp, and he's got now the distractions out of his head, too. And I think that was another thing. He was dealing with distractions down the stretch with the Patriots. It was the question of, is he going to return to New England? Is he going to bolt in the offseason? And that entire saga was playing out out all year. So now I think he's going to be able to play next season with a clear head where he's not going to have to worry about a big thing with his family. And he's just going to kind of focus on himself. And I think we could still see one, two, maybe even three more great years out of Brady. So at the right price, I think if you're the Raiders, you definitely have to take a look at it. Especially with, again, Josh McDaniel's relationship mm-hmm. with him. They- and you've got pieces around him. Yeah, I mean, you've, listen- got, you've got Devontae Adams. You've got Darren Waller. You've got Hunter Renfro. Um, the defense has some pieces on it as well. I think it's it's a pretty appealing situation if you're Brady. And you, I mean, one of the things that remember when he was a free agent last time was that he didn't want to play in the cold weather weather anymore. You got a dome out there. In yeah, Vegas. no, there's, so. there's, that's definitely um, no. Yeah, that wouldn't be a factor. Uh, and I do know that uh, whether or not it actually matters, Tom Brady's TB12 program just launched a partnership with Win. In Ooh, Vegas, okay. so uh, if you want to read some tea leaves, could that also be, dots. you know, interesting uh, that that uh, partnership was announced about a week or so ago? Of course, we know that if he doesn't want to play football, the possibility exists he could walk right into the Fox broadcasting booth and be their number one analyst. Right now, that seat is held by Greg Olson who everybody in Chicago knows very well from his time here. And, of course, he went on to have an excellent career in Carolina for the Panthers. Greg Olson joined Waddle and Sylvie earlier today. And um, Sylvie asked Greg what can be done to help keep Greg in that number one spot with all the rumors about Tom Brady circulating around. How do we keep you in the number one booth? I mean, do we have to send like uh, Twitter people after the, the the Fox people to say, hey, leave Olsen <laughs> in the number one booth and, and, and have Brady go in the number four booth? Do we have to go after Brady? What do we have to do to keep Greg Olsen <laughs> in the number one? Do we have to go one? after Brady? <laughs> yes. What do we have to yeah, do? I'll tell you. I, I think it's pretty. I don't know if Brady's going to be in the number four booth. I think we, uh, I think we, listen, we, we all know the reality. I know what I signed up for this year. My goal, and I said this before the season even started, my goal was to try to do the best job that I could, give people a fun listen, give people maybe a little bit of a different perspective and insight into the game, do the best job that I can. And listen, if Brady ends up retiring and coming and decides and that's how everything unfolds, it sucks. It's not, you know, I'm not, you know, it is, but at the end of the day, I'm a big boy. I know what I signed up for. And, uh, you know, I took a chance on myself and rolled the dice, and we'll see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to calling this game this weekend. Hopefully people enjoy it as much as they have these last couple games, and then obviously culminates in a few weeks in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to enjoy these last couple weeks. They've been busy, but they've been a blast. And then whatever happens in the offseason, I, listen, I hope Brady signs a five-year deal with somebody. I'll be the first guy there. I'll give him some cap room uh, to make it work. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. How about uh, Sylvie's scenario where Tom Brady comes in as number four man in the booth? You think Adam Amin's sitting there thinking, what the hell, man? I got uh, – because for the most part, I think Adam sits in the three seat yeah, like behind three, uh, yeah. Burkhart and Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sylvie didn't even relegate uh, Brady to yeah, uh, couldn't help out be alongside front, front Adam Amin. No, yeah. no, no. He, he pushed Tom Brady straight to uh, Kenny Elbert land. Yeah. Said, uh, no, 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 Adam Amin, we're going to – you're too good for Tom Brady in his rookie year. We're going to send Tom to go uh, work with Kenny Elbert and get a little bit of seasoning. I guess that is a little flattering for Adam, though. Yeah, too good for Tom Brady. 
I don't know. I don't think earn his broadcasting dues. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think Tom Brady walks in and he's the number one. Uh, he's in the number one chair. The only question is whether or not Greg Olson will still be alongside him in a three man booth or will they push Greg Olson to the second seat if Tom Brady ever does actually walk into the Fox broadcasting booth? I think booth. Brady, if they were to put him anywhere below the number one booth. Oh, that's not happening. He's no. on He's on the phone with CBS. <laughs> not even on the phone, though. He, like, it, who, if you're Fox, you're, 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 yeah. you're paying him. How much was the deal? I'm trying to remember now. Three hundred mil? plus million yeah, dollars. Three hundred fifty, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think you're not. You're that's. Listen, that's a bit excessive for the number four man. Three seventy five. Yes, yes. For ten years, uh, we'll see if he ever actually uh, steps foot in a Fox broadcasting booth. I think that's still a question that uh, needs to be answered. Let's try Tom, who's in Palatine. Tom, you're on Blocking Up Dalla, Meller and Tyler in for the guys tonight. Yeah, guys. So I was thinking about what you were saying about uh, about uh, San Francisco situation, and honestly, I think as Bears fans, we gotta be rooting real, real, real hard that Ruck Purdy just craps down his leg next weekend, because if he doesn't, then as you said, I mean, maybe Trey Lance becomes tradable, and. Someone like Indy, I could see going after Trey Lance, and Indy's probably our best trade partner for uh, the number one slot. It's I, I, th- I think we really got to root against Brock Purdy. I would say, Tom, that if Indy wanted Trey Lance, they would have tried to make the trade the original trade that San Francisco did. I don't think they want a damaged goods Trey Lance yeah. at this point. I, I think they would rather pick their quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I think I think Tyler's probably right about that, Tom. I understand, though, the concern. It certainly would take a little bit more leverage away from the Bears. But the great thing about where the Bears sit is that I know we're hyper-focused on Indy being the potential ideal trade candidate for the Bears because they're sitting at that four spot. So I think a lot of Bears fans see it and go, okay, if you trade with Indy down to four – you know, you've got yourself still a pick where you can either land Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, whoever happens to be left. So you're still getting an elite defensive foundational piece to build your defense around, and you're getting whatever first round pick uh, or whatever future first round picks, and maybe just maybe a couple of you know players who are already you know veteran players, yeah. whether it be a Michael Pittman or uh, Brenton Buckner, whoever you're talking about, someone who Matt Eberflus knows well. Right. Those are certainly interesting names in play, but it would, of course, take a little bit of leverage away if there's another quarterback on the market for the Indianapolis Colts to potentially you know, go down that road. Yeah, I, I don't think Trey Lance is going to have that big of an influence on what the Bears are going to ultimately trade for. Because I think, if you're talking about Trey Lance, he's probably pretty low on the, the totem pole of guys that you're looking at trying to to bring in yeah and i i just think that a team if you have the choice between paying a little less for or not a little less paying less for trey lance or paying more for the number one or even number two overall pick or let's say like even the third overall pick i think you're you're going to try to handpick your quarterback as opposed to roll the dice with trey lance that's tyler aki i'm jeff meller we're in for black and abdallah tonight Coming up next on Song of the Night, we have a song that comes from what one publication is saying is the greatest album in history. We'll play it for you next. Break 
It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. So we've got a an album turning 12 today, or turned 12 today, and we will share with you what that album is in a couple of minutes right now. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Tyler Aki, as we're in for Black and Abdallah. Guys, we're in for Greeny today. If you want to catch the show, check out the podcast available for you on the ESPN Chicago app. All right, let's try our man Chase, who's on the south side. Chase, what's going on, man? What up, Mel? Ike, how you guys doing tonight? What's up, Chase? Doing well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, um, so, um, you know, watching these games um, over the uh, weekend, one thing that I learned, and I think that's what this taught me as a Bears fan, is that, you know, to build your team, you have to build around your quarterback. You know, it don't matter who you got. I mean, of course, yeah, your quarterback has to be elite. But you look at the, those, those four teams right now, the Eagles, the Eagles, the 49ers, um, and the Chiefs also, too, is that they got playmakers all over the place on both sides of the ball, which is offense and defense. And as I look at those teams, I say, see, that's how you build your team. You build around your quarterback because at the end of the day, it's all about talent. You know, these teams got talent all over the place, and your quarterback – can only be as good as what's around him. I mean, you see these quarterbacks right now that's that's playing right now, they all got put all over the place. Now, compared to what Fields is, you put Fields with the roster, like with the Eagles, he will be just as good. I mean, that's just the point. Like, this is the formula the Bears need to take the approach. It's going to take a year or two for them to get it right, you know, build a roster like the 49ers and the Chiefs. But my point is, I'm looking at these teams, I'm looking at these rosters on, on these four teams, and I say, this is how you build a championship roster. You put playmakers around your quarterback. You build around your quarterback. You don't just, you know, draft a quarterback and then, okay, put him in a rebuild because then, you know, you don't have nothing to work with. But you build a team around your quarterback, and I think that's the formula the Bears have to supposed to have to take. But uh, you guys have a good night, though. You too, Chase. Thanks for the call, man. That's right. Listen, when you look at, first of all, there's a reason why everybody keeps pointing to the Eagles as the blueprint, right? Because you can see almost a like-for-like like comp with Jalen Hurts, with Justin Fields, right. right? That's somebody who's worked on his accuracy, and he's gotten better over the last two years, and he's improved himself. And we all know that Justin Fields has a work ethic that I think is unrivaled in this sport. Now, whether or not he can get to the heights that Jalen Hurts is currently at, we'll, we'll have to wait and see by that. But we're never going to be able to judge him until he has some comparable talent that Jalen Hurts has out there, right? It's undeniable. The Eagles roster is probably the best in football. When you look at the fifth, you know, yeah. the, the full 53 man yep. roster, mm-hmm. it is excellent. That, you know, you can't copy the Bengals and Chiefs blueprints because their quarterbacks paper over some of their deficiencies. And right. we all want and hope that J- Justin Fields is going to be great. But I don't, you can't say that right now that he's anywhere near 
where Mahomes or Burrow are at. Right. And then on the on the other side with the 49ers, too, the, the coaching. Yes. You bring up how Mahomes and Burrow can cover up some of the holes. The coaching covers up some of the holes with the quarterback, given what the, the Niners work with with Brock Purdy. Yeah. You see that each and every week the 49ers go out there. Kyle Shanahan puts his quarterbacks in the best positions to be successful. Turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. All right. So Adele's 21 turns 12 today, Tyler. Almost a teenager. <laughs> of course, Adele names all her albums after her age. And so she was 21 when this came out. And you brought it to my attention earlier in the day that uh, some folks are calling this the best album ever made. Yeah, so Billboard released their greatest 200 albums list. And this was atop the list at the time when when it came out. Um, And yeah, so they did the best uh, albums and the best artists of all time. And Adele's 21 at the time. Greatest Billboard album. This one, this album had... Three different songs that spend time at number one. Yeah, and of course, when you listen to the vocals by Adele, she is, uh, I think when you're listening, like for me, it's transfixing. Like you can't help but be, you know, just kind of taken away by her voice. So it's part of the reason why it is it is one of the, uh, the best albums of all time. Yeah, so this, this is Someone Like You. This one spent five weeks at number one. Um, it was on the charts for 39 weeks. And I just, I mean, I remember when this album came out. So there was, what, 19? Correct. And then it was, was 21, her mm-hmm. 25, and 25, and 30. I don't remember 19 as well as I remember this one. And then, like, a, a couple of these songs have started to resurface again because of TikTok, too. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the Adele. Adele's staying in the news. By the way, is she still with Rich Paul? Do you know? No, I don't. I have to... Uh... Charlie or Kendra, do you know? Is Rich Paul in... Uh... I think she is. I'm going to get off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she is. They were... I think they bought a house together. So that's right. It's pretty I remember serious. I did see that. At this point. I think that's one of those WTF couples. <laughs> it's just like, Rich yes. Paul and Adele, how did how did this happen? Where does uh, Adele's 21 fall for you two, Kendra, Charlie? What do you think? Uh, you uh, think it's one of the best albums of all time? I love Adele. Yeah, me too. I, uh, it's kind of hard to say best album all the time. Yeah, no, I know. that's It's a bit aggressive. I agree with you, Kendra. <laughs> what I told Tyler was what caught me off guard is 21 is the only album of Adele I don't have purchased on my iTunes. I've got 19, I've got 25, and I've got 30. For whatever reason, I never got around to purchasing 21. You're buying albums? You bought 30? Listen, dude. Yeah. Are you judging you Tyler? It? Uh, this is, are you Adele's a no, buying this singer? Is, no, listen, Who's I know buying albums. I, I understand. I'm not buying an album. It's it's iTunes. No, um, there's definitely a generation gap, and I understand that. Uh-huh. So but, you're still an album buyer? No, not not all the time, but occasionally. So uh, how do you how do you distinguish which ones you're gonna buy and which ones are just a Spotify it's, rip? It's honestly, it is. Um, it's like an impulse buy. Always, it's like I'm walking through the grocery store <laughs> and I see a pack of gum and uh, Adele's thirty, Adele. and I'm like, "What the hell? <laughs> Why not? I got it." You know what? It's usually like they yeah. put it at eye level no, for you. What, so what, when you're walking through, what happens is it's usually like I've got uh, I've got an hour car, car ride coming up, and uh, I'm kind of exhausted with uh, 
with sports talk for the day. Mm-hmm. Let's grab a new album right so off of the uh, an album. Yeah. All right. Pack uh, a new album and a pack of bubble yum. That's how I do it. Turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because dial. it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, 